Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here, and today I'm joined by the Inside Carolina All-Star Basketball Recruiting Group. We've got Sherelle McMillan and then Sean Moran of Sean Mo Hoops. So, guys, uh, thanks a lot for joining me on this Thursday evening to uh, talk some UNC Hoops. No problem. Looking forward to, to chatting about uh, what's been going on with the, the live periods. Absolutely. And then, Rel, how are things going in your neck of the woods, man? Uh, pretty good. It's been a while since we've been on the podcast, so just doing the recruiting thing and uh, preparing to uh, go out in July and you know look at see what's happening the rest of the off season for UNC. It's been a busy off season already, and it's going to continue to be busy. I think it has been. Um, Sean and I, you know, we've we've been talking about some of these the recent two open recruitment, I guess, weekends and uh, there was one of those this past weekend for those who may not be aware. Uh, the I think there was the Nike Under Armour and Adidas events and Sherelle, you were actually in Atlanta. W- which of the shoe companies were was hosting the Atlanta event again? Uh, so that was an Adidas event and there was also a couple of other uh, non shoe affiliated camps slash tournaments that were going on. Um, so that was, there's a really nice facility outside of Atlanta and actually Emerson, Georgia, in the suburbs called the Lake Point uh, area. And it's just this huge sports complex and they have this massive gym uh, with 10 courts. So it was pretty, pretty fun to see. Nice. So um, go ahead and just kind of, you know, walk us through the weekend there. I mean, we'll start with that. Um, I assume that you got down to uh, Atlanta on Friday. So where'd you start at, man? Yeah, so uh got there on Friday. The majority of the targets were at Adidas. There really was only one other target who wasn't at Adidas, and uh, we'll, we'll get into him later. Uh, but the North Carolina staff, the way they deploy these things, they try to make sure that each of the assistants kind of sees different circuits so they know what's going on. So uh, Brad Frederick, the assistant for UNC, was there the majority of the time uh, by himself while Roy Williams, Hubert Davis, and Steve Robinson kind of split between the um, Under Armour and Nike circuits. So it was an interesting uh, weekend for a variety of reasons. It started off with Armando Bacot, one of the top targets North Carolina has in the rising senior class. He switched teams like the week, the week of, in between weeks. So one week he was playing with uh, Team Takeover VA on the Adidas circuit, and He was kind of our priority to interview down in Atlanta. And then when we got there, we found out that he had switched to the Nike EYBL and team takeover. So it started off with a little drama, uh, but we got to see some Carolina targets. Uh, Will Baker, Matt Hurt, uh, Jalen Wilson, uh, among others, uh, Dayron Sharp. We got to see all those guys this weekend and uh, they all, to some degree, performed well. Yeah, those were some of the names that I was looking forward to hearing from. Sean, out of those list of names there that Sherelle just mentioned as the Carolina targets, you know, was there anyone that you kind of had your eye on or you were hoping to, to get some feedback on? Uh, yeah, definitely. So, well, I wasn't out in the, the second live period. I was I was out there in Dallas for the first one, and I got to, I was at Adidas for the, the opening night. And the first week they were having uh, regionals. And while, you know, Will Baker was there and, and some of the other guys that, 
uh, Brad Frederick and uh, UNC was looking at, um, Matt Hurt was not, he was in Indianapolis where uh, the UNC staff made a, a Sunday trip to go watch. So I was just kind of curious, Sherwell, did you get to see see him play and, and what your uh, impressions were if you did? Yeah, I mean, he's been a Carolina target for such a long time. This is his uh, third summer, I believe, playing up 17s with uh, D1 Minnesota. And, you know, you kind of know what you know what to expect. I mean, he has the capability of scoring, you know, 25 and 10, which is a pretty impressive stat line in the AU game. But he has a really good team around him. There's probably, I'd say, four or five high major guys uh, who play for D1 Minnesota. Um, there's a point guard, uh, Tyrell, who's really good. Uh, McCaffrey, who's going to Iowa, is really good. Hurt, obviously, has offers from everyone. So it's a balanced team. So he doesn't have to really take over that much because they typically beat everyone. But, I mean, he did what he does. He's inside out, uh, kind of that prototypical, uh, what we've been calling hybrid forward, capable of going in the post if he needs to, um, but also very comfortable shooting out on the perimeter, taking bigger guys off the dribble. So he showed that. Roy Williams actually showed up on Sunday. And uh, it was funny because Jalen Wilson was on one court and Matt Hurt was on the other. And uh, Roy Williams basically started on Jalen Wilson's court and kind of kept looking over to Matt Hurt's. And then after about probably seven or eight minutes, went over to Hurt's court for good. (laughs) So, you know, as silly as that sounds, it, it tells us something. Just how much, you know, Roy Williams values Matt Hurt. The fact that when Sean was uh, out in Dallas, Roy Williams left Dallas where Under Armour and Nike were and flew up to Indianapolis just to see Matt Hurt, basically. Uh, so he, he's still a top target for UNC, despite the fact that a lot of people think he's not going to end up at Carolina. You know, you, you mentioned Jalen Wilson, and I got to see him uh, briefly. So I saw him. And I know you put this in your in your scoop, but he's kind of had some some lows as well as highs over the last two weeks in front of the UNC staff and initially had a, a low uh, in front of Brad Frederick uh, the opening night Friday in Dallas. And that was a game I watched. And I think he was around six of 21 or something like that. But it's pretty evident he could, uh, you know, he was getting getting open looks. He just wasn't knocking them down. He wasn't a, an elite athlete, but obviously with Coach Williams watching him, but then going over to Hurt, and I think maybe some of us potentially expected an offer to come his way, which uh, has not materialized yet. Uh, I think, you know, what you were mentioning about him um, and Roy, you know, only watching six or seven minutes is definitely interesting and, and telling as well. I felt I felt a little bad for him because the way this uh, schedule was set up, they didn't play on Friday night at all. So there were only a, a few select teams that played on Friday night, but then they played Saturday morning and I think nine and then Saturday afternoon, I think at like three and then Saturday night at like eight and then Sunday morning at nine forty five and then Sunday afternoon at one. So by that nine forty five game when Roy Williams was watching him, his legs were dead. I mean, he, you could tell everything was either really, really long or very short, and uh, he just didn't have it. And uh, that game, he was, it was his worst game of the uh, of April by far. I think it was one of 10 maybe with like nine points. Um, the thing I like about him, though, is that he always plays hard. And we talked to him in an interview afterwards, and he basically said he didn't want anyone to ever see him kind of slacking or anything because people are always watching and coaches are always watching that um, playing hard was you know, one of the few things that he could actually control. Sure, your shots aren't going to go in all the time. You're not going to have the best game all the time, but you can always play hard. And uh, he said he strived to do that. So that was impressive, and I like that. So aside from Wilson and Hurt that you guys had mentioned about, I, I know another name 
was uh, Carey. And, you know, I think he's a big guy that a lot of fans are looking forward to. That's Vernon Carey out of Florida. Now, he was at the Nike, but the reports were that Roy was really interested in viewing his games. Is that what, what you kind of heard as well, Sherelle? Yeah, so we had Scott Phillips there, and Sean can talk about this too because Sean's seen him a lot over the last couple of years. Uh, we had Scott Phillips up there in uh, Indianapolis to cover for IC, and he basically just reiterated, you know, that North Carolina again was watching Vernon Carey. So, you know, with the eval period, a lot of people think it's silly, um, and then a lot of people think that the coaches sometimes are actually evaluating players. I'd say very rarely are they actually doing evaluations. They're more trying to uh, confirm what they've seen on tape, what they've seen in highlight reels and on film from games with their high school team. Jalen Wilson, for example, is probably, though, an, an example of someone who they actually were evaluating. But back to the point is that uh, it's more about showing that player how much you want them by coming to all their games, by flying from Dallas to Indianapolis on a Saturday, Sunday morning. You know, uh, last year, it was the second evaluation period. Roe Williams was up in Indianapolis, and Nike again was in Atlanta. And there was a kid named Nas Little who North Carolina didn't, <laughs> hadn't been recruiting yet. Roe Williams flew down, uh, took the red eye, and was at Nas Little's 8 a.m. game that Sunday. And he had a really good game, and, you know, the rest is kind of history. So that's really... One of the things that's important to note about the eval period, as much as it's called an evaluation period, it's also a chance for the coaches to reinforce how uh, committed they are to a player. Talk to us a little bit about Vernon Carey then, Sean, since, as Rel mentioned, you know, he's someone that, that you've seen a couple of times. I mean, to start with, number one, do you think that he would be a good fit for the Carolina system? And then number two, do you think that Carolina will eventually be a, a major player in his recruitment? Uh, regarding number one, I definitely think he would be a, an impact player in the Carolina system. And, uh, you know, I, we, we all know that UNC and Coach Williams, they love, you know, the true bigs. Uh, obviously, this year uh, kind of differed a little bit with, with Luke May um, and kind of the, the stretch stretch four, even stretch five approach. But, uh, you know, Kerry is a, a big, you know, 6'10", uh, big hefty center. He's been working on his conditioning uh, over the years. His dad was offensive lineman in the NFL for about eight to 10 years. So he kind of has that offensive lineman build, but he's actually really explosive off of two feet, which always, you know, I, I've seen it numerous times, but I always kind of forget. And then I watch him go up for a rebound and, and remember, you know, in the EYBL, in the high school games, I've seen him, he has, you know, kind of stepped out to the perimeter. And while he has a, a decent looking stroke, you know, he hasn't really been consistent on the outside, but when I got to see him uh, in Dallas, he was actually taking people off the dribble from the three-point line for which a guy, you know, his size was was pretty impressive. So I think he would be, you know, kind of the ideal Roy Williams big man target, which uh, makes sense given all the attention that that UNC and the whole coaching staff has paid to him uh, over these these past few weeks. In terms of it, it being a realistic target, you know, I think it is a realistic target, but, you know, it's going to be going against every single blue blood in the country of, of Duke, uh, Kentucky, you know, and, and you name Michigan State's in the in the race. That's the one school that he's taken kind of a, in a, a visit to. So it'll be a it'll definitely be a kind of a long drawn out process. Uh, but, you know, UNC has been putting a lot of effort and attention into Vernon, whether it's, you know, taking an in-home visit before the first period or going to all of his games, uh, et cetera. So they'll definitely put in the effort, but we'll have to see, you know, where he ends up. Uh, you know, I know there's, 
he's played on the USA team and, and a lot of those guys have ended up at, at Duke over the years. So I think, uh, you know, UNC would not be the favorite, but I do think they have a chance. Let's turn the recruiting clock then to the 2020 class, because I wanted to ask Rel about Isaiah Todd. You watched him live, correct, Cheryl, down there yeah. in Atlanta? Mm-hmm. How did he look? Because, you know, the early reports are that he really could be one of the uh, national recruits out, out of North Carolina. Did he live up to that hype in, in your estimation there? Yeah, I mean, his his team is pretty good, and they blew out a few people uh, the couple of times. The two times we watched them, they blew out the teams they were playing. They were up by 25, 30 in the second half. So he only played, you know, 13 or 14 minutes. But you can see what he does well. I think one of the underrated uh, aspects of his game already. So he's a 6'10 forward, um, very athletic, probably weighs about 195, 200 pounds, something like that. He can handle. He's got range uh, out to three. He needs to become a better shooter, but he has, he's kind of that new prototypical big guy who can do everything at 6'10". But one of the more underrated parts of his game is his passing. I was really impressed by that because I've only, uh, the last time I saw him was during the high school season. And then before that, was one kind of obscure game at the end of the uh, July period last year. So you can definitely see the gains that he's made over the last year. He's a really talented player, but uh, what we have to consider now with everything that's happening in the college basketball landscape is what's going to happen with the class of 2020. You know, with the Rice Commission, the report they gave about having one and done eliminated, and then uh, ESPN reporting that the NBA isn't going to consider getting rid of it before 2020, you know, if it does happen in the 2020 class is uh, doesn't have to go to college, then I, I don't see Isaiah Todd going to college because he is that kind of talent. So it's going to be interesting to see how coaches moving forward handle that class because I think that first year, if it if it does happen, you're going to see like 20 or 25 guys declare, especially knowing that if they don't get drafted, they might be able to come back to school. But because they haven't been able to since 2004, I think, uh, I think you'll see a lot of uh, kids declare some who are good enough to and probably some who should. You know, Sean, going to turn it over to you here. Were there any names that we haven't mentioned yet that you were interested in hearing about from that Atlanta viewing? Well, maybe not the Atlanta viewing, but would love to just jump back to the the 2019 class and talk about uh, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Uh, we know he got an got an offer, and there's been a lot of discussion of how he would potentially fit in, especially with uh, UNC recruiting Sasha. So, you know, I, I really I didn't get to watch him, him much at Under Armour in Dallas. I was kind of hopping between him and another wing, uh, Precious Achiwua, uh, who were playing at the same time in two different gyms. So I was kind of going back and forth. But at uh, first glance, I you know thought he he was pretty good in terms of just good size, good strength, and had you know pretty good agility to to play out on the wing and and handle the ball while also being able to shoot outside. So I kind of thought you know on first impression that Robinson Earl as well as Will Baker were kind of good fits for Carolina. You know I know Rel has been involved in that you know that situation for a while, so it has a lot more information. But uh, I, I think that recruitment will definitely be interesting, and and given that he received an offer right after the second evaluation period, um, I'm very curious to see how that one tracks. Given that you know Kansas is the is the home school, and uh, they have a lot of I say built in some built in advantages. Yeah, you know Carolina has been on him for a long, long time. Uh, it was 2016 when he first took a a visit to UNC, and you know uh, me and Ben are looking over the recruit photos, and we're like who is this guy? I don't particularly know him because at that point he was just a freshman and 
you know, he wasn't quite on the national radar. He was definitely on the in on the radar in the Midwest. And then uh, we found out that it was, you know, Jer- Jeremiah Robinson Earl, the son of Lester Earl, who uh, was recruited by Roy, Roy Williams to play at Kansas. And so Kansas does have a ton of advantages built in. But like I said, uh, you know, C.B. McGrath, who now is the head coach at UNCW and who's from Kansas, was the lead on Robinson Earl's recruitment for you know, quite some time. And now it's funny because Brad Frederick, who is from Kansas, but went to UNC, is the lead assistant recruiting Jeremiah. So there's that kind of thing going on that, you know, they, they are very familiar with the area. Obviously, Roy Williams is too. And then, you know, he coached his dad. So I'm sure his dad has given him, well, he's told us his dad has given him some good words about, <clears throat> excuse me, North Carolina. Um, he knows Shane Rush, also a kid from Kansas whose uncles were recruited by, father and uncles were recruited by Roy Williams when he was at Kansas. So a lot of bloodline stuff that points to UNC. Kansas definitely has more advantages but i think if there's a school who can go in there and steal him from them is definitely carolina you know one one thing real quick in terms of built-in advantages i had to do a double take uh it was a sunday morning so the last day of the first evaluation period i'm walking into the under armor gym uh or maybe walking from gym to gym and uh, his game had just finished up and they they had lost in a close game and somebody was you know talking to him in, in kind of an in-depth manner and he looked familiar and i realized it was fred cordelbaum who was at unc under the doherty era and who's been at kansas for a while and i was like oh you know that that's strange i know all of Kansas assistants are out on the road. And I realized his son plays on the same AU team. So while he's not in a, an assistant coach, he's on in the general coaching, uh, you know, coaching staff. Um, so, you know, he can kind of, whether it's practice or, or other games, kind of, you know, he can be at a lot of those events as well. So I just thought that was, you know, interesting and caused me to do a double take because I obviously remembered him from uh, the Doherty UNC days. You got a better memory than I do, Sean. I would not have been able to pick him out if you gave me a million dollars to do so. <laughs> well, I, I had a built-in advantage because I, growing up, I went to the Navy basketball camp where where he was a coach at Navy. So uh, I've known known the face for a while. Gotcha. You know, that's that's one of those where I, I would defer to Tommy and his years of experience. You know, covering this stuff. That's where he's got a little bit of uh, advantage over me. <laughs> but um, we'll go ahead and take a quick break because since uh, you guys did bring up one of the recruits over the weekend that got a Carolina offer in uh, Robinson Earl. You know, there were two other names that I, I want to get to. So stay tuned. We'll be back after this. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. And we are back with the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegel here talking UNC basketball with Sean Moran and Sherelle McMillan. So, guys, as we mentioned before we went to break, there were a total of three guys that received brand-new offers from Coach Roy Williams. They were Daron Sharp, Keon Brooks, and then, as we already mentioned, uh, Robinson Earl was the third one of that. I guess since we've already talked about Robinson Earl a little bit, let's uh, start with him. So, you know, you guys mentioned that it looks like Kansas is probably, I would say, the odds-on favorite right now to sign him. But, you know, Sherelle, you seem to maybe think that Carolina, you know, could potentially be a player in this one. Talk about that and then just about how you see him fitting in if he were to select the Tar Heels. 
Uh, yeah, so, you know, like we said, he, Roy Williams has been on him for a long time, and he really wanted to see how well he was going to play, you know, in the high school season on the AAU circuit last year and the AAU circuit this year. Wanted to be sure that he was, you know, frankly, good enough to play high major basketball in the ACC. And, you know, I, I think this weekend kind of convinced him, and that's why the offer was given out. As far as a player, he's, he slots, I think, as a uh, kind of a true four who has some ability to play to three as well. So kind of in that hybrid forward uh, range that we've been talking about uh, with Matt Hurt. So I think that's where Roe Williams and the staff see him because he, he has some skill there, um, but it's still evolving. So um, it, it's something that probably take a couple of years for him to really, really be competent at the ACC level on the perimeter. All right, Sean, what about you? Have you uh, witnessed him at all in any live uh, events or any camps, anything like that? So seeing him in Under Armour and, and I, you know, I guess I, I maybe I have a little bit higher opinion um, just from kind of the brief viewings of his ability on the wing. But I, I think he, he does have that, you know, at least from from what I saw, I think, uh, you know, he has a, a decent shooting stroke and can put the ball on the floor um, to go with his, his size and strength. So I think he would be kind of the ideal combo, you know, combo forward where he's strong enough and big enough to you know be able to guard a true power forward. But at the same time, you know, he can he can step out and not really be a defensive liability if he's guarding more of a, a true three. So I, I really liked him. I wish I got to see more of him and hopefully I will um, over the summer or, or some of the Under Armour events. But uh, I really, you know, liked that they offered him pretty quickly after the second period. And you know, I think, as I said, I think him and Will Baker are, are just kind of perfect fits for how Carolina likes to play and the type of guys they like to recruit. Yeah, I think as we, I think Sean covered it. I mean, he he's a player that can play in North Carolina, and he just got to continue to you know kind of fine tune his game and and evolve as a player. I mean, right. I, I guess one thing real quick. I I also think we were talking about the potential NBA rule, and he doesn't have that just elite athleticism, explosiveness that the NBA guys kind of love and crave. So he also might be you know maybe a, a safer recruit where you know he's not going to jump after one year, uh, and he might be there. You know potentially it's a, a you know a three or four uh, year player that's a kind of a, a fr- you know four four star or fringe five star player. That's actually a good point, and you know I mean that that would seem to fit the mold of uh, the type of guys that Roy Williams has been recruiting lately are. You know, players that can obviously contribute at the high D1 level, but may not be that type that the NBA is going to be calling after just a year or two. So sticking with the 2019 class, let's talk about the other offer that went out. That was to the 2019 wing Keon Brooks from Fort Wayne. I'll be completely honest. Keon is not someone that has been on my radar. So, you know, Fill me in, I, I guess, either one of you guys. Let's actually start with Sean since we've been going to rail first for, for most of this podcast. Just uh, give us a brief rundown of, of who Keon is and you know what uh, Carolina fans may be looking to expect from this recruitment. Sure. So I guess to me, this kind of came a, l- a little bit out of the blue. He's been, been highly ranked and had a, a really good session one in the EYBL. But, you know, I spent pretty much all day Saturday there and, and didn't really see UNC monitoring, you know, the team he was playing on. And then, you know, all of a sudden we, we come to the second period and, and all of a sudden there's a, a Roy watching and then all of a sudden he's getting an offer afterwards. So it kind of, you know, 
came up pretty quickly with, I think Hubert was the one that reached out and be, you know, after the first session and between the second session. Uh, and then there was the offer. Uh, he's, he's been one of the top players overall, I think in the, in the EYBL putting up around 18 points. He's a six, eight kind of athletic, athletic wing has, has not shot the ball well from the three point line, but, uh, can get to the basket and, and can do a lot of things that, you know, most people just can't, can't do. So, you know, right now it's kind of your typical big 10 schools that have been entrenched in the recruitment of your Michigan states, uh, Indiana, Ohio state. So it'll definitely be interesting to see, I'd say the attention that is paid to him come uh, the July. If, if it's one of those, okay, let's just kind of offer uh, this guy who's, who's really exploding and a top ranked guy and, and see how it goes. Or if it's somebody like a Vernon Carey that all of a sudden the staff is, you know, at every one of his, his games, but he's definitely one that has played very well, you know, is most likely trending as, as a probable one and done type player. What about you, Rowdy? Have, have you been able to, to witness any of his games or, you know, have any thoughts on that? I guess you think he might be in that one and done mold and, you know, what difficulties Carolina may have trying to recruit him. Yeah. So talking to people around, um, you know, Fort Wayne and then people around the Carolina program and people in the uh, recruiting community, I guess you could call it, uh, they're very high on him. I think we, we talk about uh, why didn't Jalen Wilson get an offer? I think it has less to do with Jalen Wilson and more to do with how good Keon Brooks was uh, during the April eval period. There are some times when um, North Carolina has a, a, a regimen that they typically do with offers. And once you have followed this stuff enough, you know kind of how it goes. There's a, a call from an assistant and then an assistant evaluates in person and the assistant goes back and tells Roe Williams and then Roe Williams talks to the kid and then Roe Williams goes and evaluates in person and then if he likes him he offers and if he doesn't he evaluates in person again so there's that kind of cadence that they usually have talented players uber uber talented players can um you know, kind of dismantle that cadence very easily. I think that's what happened with Brooks. They just saw him play so well over the eval periods and saw some of the things that he could do that they felt like they couldn't, for lack of a better term, waste time getting to know him and building a relationship. And that's why the offer came so quickly. Uh, and also, I think it's because they know he's not locked into a specific school or a specific place or a specific style of play that this is a recruitment that they can actually have a chance of getting in and winning on an ascending player, as Sean called them. So that really was um, the main thing. It, it was, I, you know, I figured eventually they probably would just because he played so well, but I didn't think it was going to come this quickly. Um, so that shows you what they think of him. I did misspeak. His, his shooting numbers are actually, I, I was looking at his 2017 numbers where he was around under 25%, but uh, based on the D1 circuit stats, he's 15 to 33. So 45%. Uh, so, I mean, if he's able to kind of continue that, that obviously adds another threat to his game where he's already been great at being able to attack the basket and, and get to the free throw line. What I was going to say is where, Sherelle, where you mentioned that he, he, it was a name that you weren't expecting. I went back and looked at the initial scoop that you posted on the Basketball Premium Message Board, and yeah, he was not even listed as one of the names that, you know, I see would kind of be on the lookout for. So, I think that does highlight just how far out of left field this, this kind of came. Right, because, you know, the so inside baseball, a little secret, the evaluation period scoop that we do, like we're doing our best. We, we're not guaranteeing that we see or report on every single viewing. We try to do that. That's what we strive for, um, but we don't always do it. So there probably was, well, we know there was a game or two that we missed. Or we didn't have anybody around when Roy Williams watched him uh, in Dallas. And then there was probably one that we missed that he watched him in Indianapolis. So we're thinking, well, you know, Roy Williams has to watch the kid before he gets the offer from Carolina. Well, he had, and we just didn't realize it. 
Grail, I'm I'm just so so deeply sad to hear that you and Inside Carolina are not, are not perfect. I mean, like my my mind is blown right now. <laughs> <laughs> nah, man. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely one that that I'm gonna keep an eye on. You know, with Romeo Langford committing to IU, I think you know there may be a little bit of that IU hype train going on right now. But I don't think Roy is exactly scared though to go into that you know, Midwest recruiting area and really prioritize the kid to try to pull him to Chapel Hill. Come right. On. And, you know, Brian Snow, um, national recruiting analyst for 24 seven sports. You know, if you get on the premium missions board, just check out some of the things he's been saying, has some, um, some good tidbits about Brooks, his family and kind of how the recruitment is going to play out. All right. Well, let's go ahead then and turn to the third group of the brand new offerees. That would be Daron Sharp. And his numbers from this uh, open eval period were very strong. It looked as if he really had some good performances. Terrell, let's start with you. What do you think about Daron? And you know, just go ahead and give us that normal rundown. He was one of the players. So for people who don't know too much about how travel ball works, um, they're 17 under, 16 and under, 15 and under. And um, depending upon your maturity level, how old you are, that kind of thing, you know, decides whether or not you're going to play on 17s or 16s. Justin Jackson, for example, played on 17s, I think, when he was 14. Wendell Moore, UNC target in 2019, he played 16s last year, uh, playing 17s this year. Kobe White, UNC commitment, played 16s two years ago and played 17s uh, last year. So it, it kind of varies. So Sharp is playing 16s, and uh, he was pretty dominant. And the, the moment we kind of knew as a staff that he was going to get a UNC offer was Sunday morning again. Uh, just like Nas Little last year, Sunday morning, 8 a.m., Roy Williams flew from Indianapolis to Atlanta, and him, Brad Frederick, and Hubert Davis are there for an 8 a.m. 16 and under game. Now, again, for people who don't understand how travel ball works, um, you have to allocate your resources very carefully so you can be seen um, and so you can see. And so um, three coaches in one place for a 16 and under game at 8 a.m. is a pretty strong message that you are committed to that player. And uh, when we were in the gym, I think there was only two other assistant coaches there, Steve Woodbury from Wake Forest, who also offered recently, and then an assistant from NC State who offered last week. Um, but Sharp, you know, he's dominant. He's six, you know, eight, six, nine. 220 pounds. The thing about him is I don't know exactly what his wingspan is, but it's something ridiculous because he play, he's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, but he probably plays like he's 7'1", or 7'2", just because of his length. Um, he moves well. He's got um, feel. He's got touch. I mean, he's just everything you want in a developing big man. And Roy Williams saw it. He knows that Sharp is, you know, kind of grew up a Carolina fan. So I think that might have helped the offer a little bit. Um, but he is He's going to be the number two player in the state in 2020 behind Isaiah Todd. So let's get your thoughts on Sean. What have you seen of Daron Sharp so far? You know, I know he put up put up great numbers, and and to be really, you know, it, it seems like he's going to be the main focus of the the recruiting efforts um, in this class over the next uh, you know year year and a half, uh, especially you know being so close to Chapel Hill that I would imagine they're going to try to ideally lock him down early, um, you know, providing an early offer. And I'm sure he's going to get a lot of attention uh, throughout the July period. Uh, so I can, I can really see UNC making a kind of a full court press in this situation just to try to get him uh, locked down and, and get uh, in-state talent in that class um, signed, signed early. Well, I always like to see when Roy Williams prioritizes those highly ranked guys out of North Carolina. I mean, there's just the history of UNC you know, going after and landing those guys. 
I know recently Duke has had some success with that as well. So I agree with you, Sean, that, you know, Caroline will probably try to get Sharp locked down if they can as quickly as possible. And, you know, uh, Sherelle dropped that, that that little tidbit that it sounds as if he grew up maybe liking Carolina. So he could be receptive to that pitch. And maybe that will be a really good way to start off the 2020 recruiting class. Uh, let's go ahead, though, and close out this podcast talking about the future. So what might be coming up for the rest of the summer? It looks like there's a little bit of a downtime for this week, but then things are still going to pick back up um, with the, I guess it's sometime in June, would be the uh, NBPA Top 100 camp. Is that the next kind of big event, guys, or is there one before that? So there'll be, uh, the shoe companies will continue on in May. Uh, I think Nike has two more sessions and then Under Armour and Adidas will, will also have their sessions as well. So for the players, these will be, you know, they'll still be competing and, and going after it. And a lot of times this is when you see players kind of, uh, you know, using Dennis Smith for an example, he was an Adidas guy. And then all of a sudden he's moonlighting on a Nike team. So you kind of see some of the big name guys uh, switching teams just for these, these other periods. So I'd say in May, you know, the coaches are still keeping a close eye on how people are doing and, and what's going on. And, you know, while it's kind of rare for UNC to offer kind of just based on what they're hearing, a lot of coaches uh, will do that if, if somebody blows up a certain weekend. Um, so then after the AAU, it'll kind of go into June where it does slow down, but that's where the top 100 camp is at, Inside Carolina always does a great job of covering. Uh, and then also into the USA basketball, both the U17 and, and U18 tryouts. And then then it's July and we're back in the, the live periods again. So what's the IC kind of game plan for the summer then, Sherelle? Are you going to be hitting the road again anytime, man? Uh, yes. Yeah, so so uh, Ben and Rob Harrington will be in Hampton uh, later this month for the Nike EYBL session there. This is what used to be called the Boo Williams Invitational. So they'll be there for that to see some of the Nike targets. And then, you know, we'll be monitoring. June has always traditionally been a unofficial visit heavy month for UNC, partly because they have a whole bunch of guys back in town playing pickup, partly because for West Coast kids and kids from the Midwest, when they go to MBPA, it's just a few hours drive down to Chapel Hill and to Duke and to Wake Forest and NC State for unofficial visits. So they usually try to take advantage of that. Um, so that's what UNC will be up to. And then this year, uh, actually just like last year, they have a transfer you know, that they're after. Last year was Cam Johnson. This year is Sasha Kalia Jones. And uh, I think May will kind of see his recruitment uh, in one way or the other. Um, not sure, you know, what he's going to do. He has four official visits left if he wants to take them, and uh, we should start hearing more about that probably next week. So they'll have that um, on their plate as well. And then Roy Williams Camp starts uh, in kind of the middle of June. All right, so let's get some quick predictions from the two of you guys. After you know, looking at all the scoops and watching some of these kids play and knowing that Roy has just sent out three more offers. Do you think, number one, anyone else will get an offer during the summer? So we'll say between now and like August. And number two, if you think someone will get an offer, who would it be? Sean, you're the guest, so you go first. Uh, I'll just play it safe. And I I say if there is going to be an offer, perhaps it's Jalen Wilson, depending on maybe how the the Keon Brooks situation goes, or if he does play well at the other events, just given the amount of uh, attention they've paid to him already. Uh, You know, 
not really an offer, but uh, Jamon Brakefield, uh, who's a, a rising junior who both myself and Shrill got to watch, and he's been putting up great numbers uh, in the Adidas 17 level. I think he'll continue to draw interest. Uh, definitely not an, an offer yet, but uh, I think he'll be kind of a focal point of the summer series. Uh, and then, you know, in reality, I think they probably won't be making any any more offers. I know they, you know, last year, for example, I don't think they made any after the live periods and waited until the summer. Uh, so I think they'll really just want to recruit the guys that they have offers and and really evaluate who they want to get get additional looks at in the summer. All right, Sherelle, I know that you hate making predictions, man, but come on, give us a little bit here. I'm not going to make a prediction, but <laughs> uh, so... Uh, I think they're done for the spring. Uh, as Sean said, last year they didn't give out any. Two years ago, they gave out three. Three years ago, they didn't give out any. And four years ago, they gave out one following the spring uh, eval period. So it's not something Roy Williams does a lot. He's already given out three. So I, I'd imagine that uh, he's kind of done there. And then in July, they always give out a few towards the end of July, the beginning of August. Um, who those are, I couldn't tell you because, you know, like I said, a year ago this time, we had just heard of Nasir Little. I mean, we, we kind of knew who he was, but from a Carolina perspective, we, you know, there was no interest outside of the Royal Williams viewing. So things can change very quickly. There could be a player who has a really good tournament down in Augusta and Royal Williams, Roy Williams goes back and talks to his assistants and they're like, we really like this guy. And they offer it at the end of July. So um, that kind of thing happens a lot. Um, so I, I wouldn't want to guess on who it was, but I do think the guys who were close uh, this time, seemingly like Jalen Wilson, definitely have a leg up on everybody else when it comes to sending out more offers probably in July. I think it'll also be interesting to see if anything does come out in the recruitment of, of Cole Anthony. I know the UNC staff has paid a lot of attention to him, uh, the best point guard in the class, but very, uh, very tight-lipped uh, in terms of both the team kind of allowing any real recruiting inter interviews after the games, as well as just being able to get in touch with them. So I know that's been a situation that's been a little more quiet. So I'll be interested to see if, uh, you know, any, any information does uh, come out regarding him. All right, you guys. Well, that'll do it for this podcast. Appreciate you joining me again, and we will talk with everyone again soon.